0: When a person chooses clothes in the morning, he's making a commitment and a decision. Because the clothing you put on decides what you can do and can't do. If you're dressed in evening clothes, you can hardly clean the storm drain. If you're ready to wrestle, you're not prepared for the dance or the swim. Clothes, says the proverb, make the man. They either adorn or disfigure. That is, they set the pattern. First the man chooses his clothes and then his clothes choose for him what he can do or can't do. This passage of Scripture takes that truth out of our common life and applies it to the clothing of the soul. For the soul can be so clad as to be attractive and useful for the Lord Jesus, or it can be ugly and ill-prepared for the events of life here and beyond the grave. In Romans chapter 13, the Apostle Paul first talked to us about our relations to the state, then to our neighbor. Now he goes deep within inside our own being and asks us if we have the proper attire for a Christian soul. And the essence of his answer is this, that the clothing of the believer is a distinctive garb. Now what do I mean by that? What does Paul mean in these three verses that close Romans chapter 13? Well, clothing has features, and he's outlining for us what those features of a Christian's attire ought to be. Your clothing, of course, they tell me, ought to be tailored to the times. It ought to be contemporary and therefore reflect that same Spirit in you. That's what Paul means here by the Spirit, and he says, you know what hour it is, Now, if you took that Greek word hour, it's not the word chronos, which means time as chronology, but the word kairos, which means time in the sense of opportunity, of crisis. Time in its significance, not in its minutes and seconds. You know what significant moment it is. Now, in the Old Testament, God commended the people whenever they knew the time that it was. And the Lord Jesus chided the Pharisees. He said, you know how to tell the weather, but you don't know the signs of the times. You're not up on what is developing in God's world. But Paul says to these believers, you know what hour every Christian must tailor the clothing of his soul by God's timetable, dressed for the time. Now take the merchants, for example, in the stores. They always know exactly what day it is in the sweep of the year's calendar. They know that... time for Mother's Day and they begin to advertise they prepare for that months weeks then days ahead and they keep their timing right on the money the children of darkness are wiser than the children of light God wants us to be tailored to the time to know what time it is and if we do we will realize that it is Full time to wake from sleep. One of the recurring dreams that I have, I can tell you this in the evening service, I can say things here that I can't say very well in a larger public meeting in the morning. One of my awful dreams is that I'll show up in this pulpit with my pajamas on. <laughs> and uh, that just comes back every so often. But you see how inappropriate to be dressed for the night when it is day and time to be serving. The clothing of the soul is tailored to the hour. And that's what God is saying here. For sleep is moral and spiritual slumber of the soul. Sleep is forgetfulness of God. Sleep is disregarding the things of eternity. Sleep is being sluggish and selfish and secure. Well, it's not being ready and responsible for the things of the day. I know some Christians who are wide awake, and yet I think to myself that in the light of the readiness that God wants, even they are drowsy that if any of us ever really saw what time it was on God's clock, we would suddenly come to life. And that which had been slumbering in us and sluggishly poking along in Christian service, which had been inactive in good works and in righteous actions, would suddenly be animated if we ever discovered truly the time In God's plan You know what hour it is It is full time for you To wake from sleep Put off the night clothes And get busy in the work of the day Tailored to the time Appropriate to the time As we think of time It's a flowing stream And it has in it always expectation, something exciting right around the corner. Well, that's how Paul says we ought to dress, tailored with a sense of suspense and expectation because, he says, salvation is nearer to us than when we first believed. The night is far gone and the day is at hand. And what he's saying is that eternity is very close. It is closer than it was yesterday. And every calendar day brings eternity closer to the believer. He's also saying to us that in the great epical events of the redeeming plan of God, the creation of the world, the preparation for Christ, the giving of the commandments, the birth of the Messiah, Calvary and resurrection and Pentecost, when you take the sweep of all these great acts of God, the next great epical event is the sudden and visible advent in glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the thing toward which we are moving. No other great event stands between us and that glorious hour. And if we once sensed where we were in the countdown of human history, we would put on the clothing of expectation as regards our soul. We would clothe it with alertness and with diligence as men who live on the edge of the age to come. For that truly, brothers and sisters, is where we are tailored to the times this clothing of the human soul. But think also of the cut of your clothing. The the cut, they tell me, is also important. It says something about the character of the person, whether he's a banker, conservative with a certain cut, whether he's a disc jockey with another kind of Cut of his clothes, perhaps. The cut has to do with the character, and that's described here. Let us then cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us conduct ourselves becomingly as in the day, not in reveling and drunkenness, not in debauchery and licentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy. There's the character of the clothing of the soul. It means that certain clothes have to be taken out of our wardrobe. He says here, cast off the works of darkness. Whenever any man comes to Christ and embraces him in faith, the requirement that the Savior makes of him is that he renounce the the former things and that he put on a new life. That is... Understood by all who come. You cannot come simply to Christ and embrace Him for eternal life without any change in your being. Cast off the former things. Sometimes you go through your wardrobe, do you not, and you see a threadbare garment there and you say, Well, that's uh, that threadbare garment, that's got to go. And that piece of clothing, that's out of style. And that looks like a candidate for the goodwill. And Take that. And gradually your wardrobe shrinks. You're weeding out those things that have accumulated there. You're casting off what is no longer appropriate for you, what is no longer in style for you. It had a use, it had a place, but it is gone now. And that's what the Christian needs to do with regards to his soul. Those attitudes, those patterns... Those actions and thoughts and emotions which were appropriate to the earlier age, which had a part in his former life, which were characterized by darkness or immaturity or unbelief, he is to take those away from his soul and to cast them away. Have you done that? Have you gone through your spiritual wardrobe? to see what ought to be taken out. Then he says, put on the armor of light. Now that's the cut of the Christian's soul attire, the armor of light. There are three armors mentioned in the Word of God that the Christian is to don. The first is called the armor of righteousness, And that is the Christian's defense against the world. You can find that in your own scriptures, the armor of righteousness. Then there is the armor of God. Put on the whole armor of God. And that is to protect the Christian against the devil, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Here is the third armor that the Christian has to apply to his soul, the armor... Of light, The armor of light are those transparent and pure actions with which he surrounds his soul. Do you know that light is one of the great defenses that God has made? Light dazzles the foe and baffles him and keeps him at bay. And when a Christian has the armor of light surrounding him, then when the flesh tries to deceive him, he overcomes the flesh with the armor of light. When the flesh tries to come and delight him, he has victory over it with the love that comes from his armor of light. When the flesh comes to try and defile him, he has victory because of the purity of his light. When the flesh tries to bring him into despair, he has power over that by the joy that comes through light. God wants the soul of every believer to be bathed in this armor of light that is a divine protection against a Christian's own flesh with all of its lusts and passions and instincts, this armor of light to clothe and guard the soul from the Christians making shipwreck of his life through fleshly lust. Have you put on the armor of light on your soul? Transparent honesty and purity, and love. Then he says, dress becomingly as in the day. Dress for the day. How beautiful that is. That is, the Christian is marching into a new time. He's going toward the advent of Christ. And Christ directs some of the light of that new day back upon his path. And so the Christian walks in a light which the unbeliever does not know. He's in fact bathed by that light. And someday he will see that what he thought was light in this world, relatively speaking, was really darkness compared to the brilliance of the light of the day of Christ. The light in which we are walking. But we know because we have that light coming from eternity upon us and so we dress our souls differently from the worldling. Let him dress his soul in the things of heathendom, reveling, drunkenness, debauchery, licentiousness. Let him wear the clothing of these fleshly and evil things, but not the Christian. He will have the apparel that comes from heaven because it it befits one who is walking toward the kingdom of light. Dress becomingly as those on whom the light of heaven is falling. Dress your soul so that you suggest to those around you that there is a better life, Another country, a grand destiny toward which you are moving. And everyone who beholds the attire of your soul hungers and thirsts for that new country. One of the things that dulls your sense of eternity is gluttony. Gluttony pervades this passage because it is associated with drunkenness, with debauchery, with licentiousness, and it leads to immorality. The Church Fathers said that if anyone wanted to be strong and vital in the service of Christ, let him root out gluttony from his life. It is called one of the seven deadly sins And if tonight you are serious about clothing your soul for eternity, wrapping around it the garments of beauty and loveliness, the place to begin is to do away with the fleshly vice of gluttony. Rid your soul of it forever that you may walk in chastity and purity and that your whole bearing will speak of the coming day of light and victory. And so, friend, you see, we, we dress according to the time and to the character. If you go into the stores now, you perhaps won't even find Things anymore, perhaps they're summer, and before long, just about the time I'm ready to buy for summer, they're putting out the fall things. These merchants are always looking ahead. How wise they are! Would that we could be wise, that in the clothing of the soul it was not taking on the color of this world, tied to the fleshly satisfactions of this day but that these souls of ours, infinitely precious to God, would be attired for the life to come, that it would be an easy and smooth transition from this world to the next because we were already dressed for the party, because we had become clad in the clothes of eternal righteousness in our souls. Now Paul, as he expounds this theme, closes with this marvelous, marvelous illustration. He's talking here, he said, now about clothes. He said, why don't you put on the uniform? Why don't you don Jesus Christ? Do You see it there in verse 14. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Whoever thought of Christ as a garment, but Paul and the Spirit. Putting on Christ is to be so intimately united to Him that you are covered with His virtues and that you want men to look on you and see not your own bumbling actions but to see the glorious honors and the character of Christ. You cover yourself with His conduct. You fill your mind with His moral disposition. You conform your attitudes and words to the conformation of His lovely person. In short, you hide yourself in the flesh and in the clothing of the Lord Jesus Christ so that men seeing you If they could see clearly enough to the springs of your being, they would say, there is Jesus Christ. Do You see, when you came to Christ, you were stripped bare of your old life. But it's indecent to go around naked. You can't do that. You've got to be reclothed, And some of us have put back on the clothing of the world and of the old life, and that's ugly. But you see, what we lost in our fall was the image of God that departed from us. And who is Christ but the image of God? And so when we put on the Lord Jesus Christ, we are adorning our soul with the very image of God for which we were made. And that is the loveliness of the Christian person. When we put on the Lord Jesus Christ, it's like putting on a uniform of ownership. When a young person puts on the colors of his country, he's saying a lot. He's saying, I'm going to be loyal and devoted. I'm going to be responsible and submissive. I'm going to carry out orders and represent my country, and all of that. And when a young man or woman comes to Jesus Christ and says, I want to serve you if you'll allow me to share in your death, he's really saying, Christ, I want to be your soldier. I want to come under your orders. At the last day, I want to get my medals from you, Lord. I want to wear your colors. That's putting on Jesus Christ. It's identifying with him in his life and death, in his purpose and ministry, not just on the externals. I fear sometimes that some of us are simply here superficially in the church, playing religion, being part of a social group, But we have not changed the clothing of our souls. We haven't put on the Lord Jesus Christ. We still make provision for the flesh. He says, make no provision for the flesh. He simply means there, don't take forethought and make all kinds of plans as to how you're going to pamper your body with everything it asks for. It will come asking a lot of things, but you must say no to it and deny it. Whoever nurtures his flesh, nurtures his enemy. Whoever destroys his body, destroys his friend. We must care for our bodies as the instruments in which we walk this pilgrimage, but never, never make provision for, plans for, forethought for the flesh. That is those instinctual and deep desires that go against in war against the Spirit of the Lord within us. You wouldn't put on the uniform of your army Over top of the uniform of the enemy and make provision to serve both. What kind of clothing is that? And if tonight you're serious about the garb of your soul, every Christian duty and Christian grace and virtue and loveliness. Every adornment of the human soul is all wrapped up in this one admonition of the apostle. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. What is the clothing of your soul tonight? Look within. There may be many here who are trying to wrap their souls in the fig leaves of their own righteousness. You're trying to cover your soul with good works, patch up a job of covering it by your own achievements and attainments. But the Bible says that kind of clothing is like filthy rags. That's what Augustine tried to do. And Augustine was plagued as he wrestled against the temptations of the flesh. He was crying out to God saying, How long, how long, tomorrow and tomorrow shall I never be free from this sin? And he heard a child's voice in a garden saying, Take and read." And he went to the table where he had been reading the letter to the Romans. And there the page opened to verse 14. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. And Augustine said, I had to search no farther. I had to ask no one anything else. It was all clear to me in a moment that the answer to my soul's nakedness Was the covering of the blessed Son of God. And I, from that moment on, have not made any provision for the flesh. And you can do it, friend. You whose soul is naked and shivering, who will go out to eternity without the warm covering of the Lord Jesus Christ over you. You can wrap around you tonight His gracious and His glorious mercy. You can be saved and live in a garment made by Christ. Christian friend, you came to Christ with every good intention. But you followed the style of the world and clothed your soul in its tattered and filthy garments. And I call on you tonight to start over again. You can't stay where you are. That's to go backward. To go forward in the Christian life is to start ever anew. And I say to you, you know what hour it is. It is full time for you to wake from sleep. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. Let us all pray together. Our blessed and gracious God, who has called us out of darkness into light, out of the night into the day, out of earth into heaven, we bless thee for putting these admonitions in words that we could understand in Holy Scripture. We bring before thee now our souls. Clothe them in garb fitted for the new day. Take away the clothes of sleep. Wrap them in the armor of light. Becoming to this hour. Oh, yes, blessed Jesus, wilt thou clothe thyself with us, wrap us in thy character and conduct, that all who behold us may see thee, and seeing thee, be drawn to thee. In the name of Christ our Savior, amen.